So I'm excited to uh, be here today with a special guest, André-Claude Berubé, uh, one of my favorite people out of uh, Montreal. And uh, although initially we met out of Toronto, uh, André-Claude is the general counsel at SNC-Lavalin. And uh, the, the, she's lived both in Toronto and Montreal. But when I asked her what her favorite city is, you know, she says, I love Toronto, but Montreal is, uh, is more fun. The joie de vivre is more fun. And the cloud, sorry, I'm speaking for you, but I will ask a little <laughs> bit about this afterwards. <laughs> uh, so, and the cloud, welcome and thank you for, for joining us here today. I know there will be many people in our audience looking forward to listening to you and uh, some of the tips that you, that, you, that you have and sort of the course of your career which is always, uh, you know, for aspiring, whether aspiring lawyers, more junior lawyers, et cetera, they always want to know what is my path to, to be in a role like that, which is very prestigious, but also a role that many, many lawyers aspire to. Um, and I will start with uh, just some very simple uh, questions. So tell us a little bit about André Claude, who is André Claude as a person and, and, and sort of the, uh, where you grew up and, and a little bit of uh, uh, sort of the, the course and, and that, that brought you that brought us to here today. For sure. And uh, thank you very much, Gary, for uh, for having me. It's always fun to do uh, these events with you. So uh, really happy to uh, to be here with you. Um, so a little bit about me. Um, I am well, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm from Quebec. I was actually born and raised in Amos, Abitibi-Témiscamingue. So uh, northern uh, part of the Quebec province. I grew up there and um, I, um, when I was 17 years old, I decided I wanted to, uh, to do my uh, cégep uh, in Quebec City. So spent two years in Quebec City and then uh, went to McGill Law School. Um, and so, you know, my parents were both teachers, no lawyers in the family. Uh, but when I was 14 years old, I somehow made up my mind that that's what I wanted to do. And I, I'm, I'm trying to remember why. And I think, you know, there was some backstory where I pleaded something for my classmates when I was in grade eight or something with our principal. And he said, you would make a good lawyer. And I sort of stuck with that and said, well, you know, I think I would. And that, that's sort of where I, <laughs> I think that's the story. At least that's what I remember. Um, and, um, and so I studied, uh, I did my, uh, civil law and um, common law degree at McGill I called the national program. Um, when I started, I sort of wanted to make sure that I had all the doors open if I wanted to practice law outside of, uh, of Quebec, which proved to be a good, good decision in hindsight. Um, and um, so that takes me there. Do you want me to talk about all the professional uh, journey as well at this point? No, and, and it, I think that's that's a great way to know. And I think sometimes people, you know, when we talk in a professional context, sometimes it's hard to know, um, sort of, hey, like what was our upbringing like, right? Like, and it's sort of it's it's nice to know that that people from different sort of different parts of the country uh, have sort of become leaders in in, in our respective uh, industries. So the we've had people on the podcast from uh, all the way from BC to the East Coast, and uh, it's. Uh, it is really is uh, inspiring. So, just on the on that to, to ask a little further on the from a professional perspective on the code as well, a bit of the professional path uh, since we're on the topic. Um, following law school, what did that look like? Yeah. So um, I, 
you know, when I when I was in uh, at McGill, I actually did uh, what we call like Corso stage, so the sort of like the internship. So I did get an internship at uh, McCarthy Stitro. So um, you know, I started a summer student um, as well as just started working with uh, with them. Um, and I knew I had my my articling. And when I when I finished my um, uh, bar school here in Quebec, I was sort of I thought, well, maybe I want to. I want to pause a little bit and do something different for a little while before I, I do my, my articling, you know, after five years of, uh, of law. And um, I was thinking maybe doing something in commerce to get some, some other exper experience, you know, uh, in, in my back pocket. Um, and in a, an affair about international studies, I think I came upon this organization that, um, that uh, promoted grants from the Ministry of Foreign Affairs for recent graduates. And they were sort of, you know, commerce first. So I thought, well, that's really good, you know, based so maybe I'll, I'll apply for that. Um, and um, I, I ended up uh, getting the grant and um, they had a couple of, of positions. And one of them was actually uh, with a law firm in Mexico City. And at first I was like, no, no, I don't want to do law. And then um, they sort of, uh, you know, convinced me that because I had a legal background, I actually, I did, I did, have a good knowledge of Spanish at the time, just taking it through school, that really, that was, you know, a really good opportunity for me. And I thought, okay, well, you know, it is true that it, it still would be very different than, than what I know. So, so why not try it? So I went for, uh, I did six months uh, there and that was my sort of my first international exper experience. And then I came back and did my, you know, my finished my articling in, the, in Montreal with McCarthy. And then I, um, Growing up, it's it's funny because there is a link with why I spoke where I'm from. But you know, I grew up, and it's a very you know nature is very present in, in, in northern Quebec, and and there's a lot of mining's and pulp and paper and forestry. Um, and so my where I wanted to start was do to do environmental law. So I you know I, I chose McCarthy because they had a really strong practice of environmental law, um, and that's where I started. So I said that's what I want to do. I made it clear. I applied here. I chose you guys because you have a practice of environmental law and that's what I want to do and so that's that's where I started my practice and you know slowly doing some some files it was the time where there was a lot of um, clean energy projects so wind farms you remember there was big you know a lot of RFPs from Andrew Quebec and so um, McCarthy was very active in there and I had the chance to uh, to work on that I also did some uh, at the time Indo Quebec had some international divisions so I was involved in you know hydroelectric projects uh, in, in other jurisdictions doing due diligence um, and then slowly I started to do as well, you know, working a lot with the industry, uh, including with the mining industry. Um, and I really, um, really, really enjoyed sort of learning about, you know, the, the business, but the industrial side as well and how things happen. And, and I worked a lot with a lot of engineers actually at the time. Uh, so there's everything sort of comes around. Um, and, you know, I spent, I actually spent 10 years uh, with McCarthy, really, really learned a lot. It was a really good, you know, very good training, very strong people, awesome clients. So I learned a lot. Um, and that led me to my next sort of uh, <laughs> next position where, um, you know, in uh, about 10 years uh, after I started practicing law as, as a lawyer with McCarthy, I was approached by um, a mining company, a Canadian mining company that had uh, had offices in, uh, in Toronto. Um, for a position um, of essentially general counsel of a joint venture that they were part of. Um, and it was, uh, it was a project in Madagascar, uh, in Africa. 
with uh, to Asian partner and another partner that was actually SNC Lavalin at the time. So uh, interesting again. No, no. It, it is really all about coming full circle at one point, right? So, <laughs> exactly. Everything is, you know, nothing happens for no reason. I always say so. So I made the decision that time. It was a, it was a difficult decision because I, I wasn't looking to, to change, um, you know, but I thought, wow, you know, that's, that's very interesting. And, and the timing was good because I had two young children and I had a really great husband that said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to support you and, and I'm willing and let's go. Um, very scary, but at the same time, we're like, you know, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? We're not going to like it, then we're just going to come back, right? I mean, but we'll have the experience at least. And, and that's, you know, something that I think it's very important. And I tell people, if you, you know, if you don't do it, you won't, you know, you won't have the experience. So what if it doesn't turn out as you thought it would, but at least you've done it and, and you, you know, you can say I've tried. Um, so we uh, had never set foot in Africa in my life. And I signed the offer before I even went to see, I'm like, I'm doing it. So <laughs> I was a little bit bold, but... Um, so we left for, for uh, we packed our bags and left the whole family and uh, we, you know, we, we went there and um, signed up for three years, ended up staying, staying five. Um, and that was really, I mean, in terms of if you talk about a, something that changed the path of your career, I can definitely say that that changed the path of my career for sure. I and mean, the experience that I got there, the people I met, it was really, I mean, very, very challenging very, very challenging, but I learned so much. And, and in terms of human experience, I just, it was, it was fantastic. So that was really sort of, you know, um, I never regret, regretted it. I missed my colleagues, but never ever regretted sort of leaving private practice and, and doing that, that switch in house because I learned, I learned so much. And I really actually really, really like, found out I really, really like working in house, which I didn't really think I would when I was at MacArthur. I, was, I always thought, man, no, I don't know if I would like, it looks a little boring. That was, it was nothing but boring. <laughs> I can tell you and still is. So uh, definitely, uh, you know, right decision in, 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 in retrospect. Um, well, should I keep going? Do you want me to just? <laughs> no, no, no. I, I'd love for you to keep going. The only comment I had just it, it really is that, uh, you know, you're right, uh, the in-house can sometimes be perceived as boring, but when you work at the size of organizations you've worked for, there's so many, it's so multifaceted. It, it's, it's like running a firm, uh, especially where, where you are now. But I, I, will, I won't say much more just yet, so <laughs> I'll let you continue and then I'll, I'll, I'll give you some of my thoughts. For sure. Okay, so after, so as I said, you know, we, we, I signed up for three years. Um, and then, and then I sort of extended and extended. And then at the end of the, of the five years, I said, okay, you guys, I, I need to. It's very, I mean, it, it is quite far away. We were far away from, you know, our, our, our family and, and, and our, you know, parents. And so we decided, okay, you know, it's time to uh, get closer. Um, wasn't quite ready to come back to Canada yet. I thought, mm, you know, I sort of liked the, uh, the international uh, expat life. So uh, the company I work for uh, was really great in that they said, well, you know what, we think we, we can have a role for you and for our operations in Cuba. So I thought, hmm, you know, that sounds interesting. I think, you know, I could do I can do Cuba yes. for a few years. Um, and the role there was sort of looking after legal activities related to Cuba. So they had some that were not in the, that were actually in Canada as well. So but, you know, it was a joint venture. Um, so sort of similar organization in the sense that it was, you know, with, with partners. And um, and there was also a sort of an in-country representative role attached to that, which I thought was very interesting because I did do sort of government relations type 
um, work in Madagascar, being, you know, in that legal working with ministries, etc. So I thought that's a good sort of good uh, um, continuation of that. Um, so I, I, you know, I took the role. I thought it was good, uh, another good challenge. And with me speak Spanish, having worked in Mexico, I, I had worked in Spanish, you know, legal Spanish before. So it took me a little while to get back to, to, to that. But um, um, really, again, really enjoyed uh, that, that experience. Cuba was this fascinating place. It was a time politically that was also very interesting when, you know, they started opening up and Obama came and we had also, you know, many delegations coming in. See, unfortunately, that didn't last. Uh, so a very challenging place, obviously, to with, with the embargo to, to do business as a foreign company. Um, and after three years, you know, with, with now teenage kids, uh, we made the decision that, you know, probably was time for us to come back as a family to Canada. And that's when I moved to Toronto. So that's where I, you know, when I was at, at uh, at Sherrick International at their corporate office in, in Toronto that, uh, that we met Gary. Um, and there I took, you know, more, more of a corporate position as, you know, associate general counsel and assistant corporate secretary. So uh, working at the, you know, at the, uh, at the mother company and looking after our, our, public disclosures and, and sort of, you know, our, sure. again, our sort of brother, brother role but at the corporate office. So, um, and then uh, was not looking to move again. I had actually made a promise to my family that that was it, that we're, you know, we were done moving for a little while. And then, <laughs> sure enough, uh, <laughs> two years in, um, SNC came knocking at the door and said, uh, hey, you know, we have this, we're looking for someone to come and support our general counsel. It's, you know, so it's sort of a, corporate secretary, but also, um, you know, I was associate general counsel. Um, and I thought, well, that's, uh, <laughs> I, I really thought hard and I said, well, I can't, it's too interesting for me to, to pass on. And, and, you know, SNC being a very well-known Quebec company was sort of really great opportunity for me to come essentially come back home. Cause that's where, you know, we had, we had started as a family. So, uh, I made the, I, I convinced everyone and we, uh, we moved back to we moved back to Quebec, and um, you know I, I was I came here again with you know I was very clear that what I wanted to do with my career is that you know at some point in my life I wanted to be a general counsel, uh, so I thought it's a great place you know what a better place to learn uh, to be a general counsel and such a you know big entity with with a wide variety of projects very interesting so it was very for me it was sort of a learning experience and I said if you know. If ever there's an opportunity there, great. If not, I'm hoping that, you know, maybe in the medium term, I can get, you know, a general counsel position and then things unfold a little bit quickly, uh, quicker than I expected. But, uh, you know, in, in uh, 2022, our general counsel decided to take another position. So the position became open and, and was offered to me. And then I, that's where I ended up in the, <laughs> how I ended up in this position. So very, again, in hindsight, very good decision uh, um, that that paid off. So, uh. no, and and I think it's it, it's a excellent story, and I think it really provides some good perspective to to like, especially like I mentioned earlier, if you if you're a lawyer thinking career path, like that's really provides some perspective. So, a couple of tangential questions for you on Victor, and only because. Um, the, you know, I, I uh, interviewed an executive um, for, for for the podcast, and 
he said he he was many of the opportunities that he ended up having was because he was open to relocating and actually opened some doors that had he not been open to that may have been a bit more limited. Do you find did you find this the same thing that some of the opportunities that you had had you not been open to relocation may have been a bit more limited? Well, for sure, obviously the ones obviously the ones that I did, you know, the the Madagascar position would not have been would not have been possible. There was really a, they needed someone on site for that one. Um, you know, I was offered the possibility of leaving my family and do a f- you know, flying fly out, which was, for me was just a non-starter. I said, we're all going or none of us, are, you know, we're not going. So for me, having my family with me was always very important and making sure that, you know, they had a good place to live. We had good schools. That was important. Um, and I understand it's not, you know, as I said earlier, Gary, I was fortunate to have a partner that was very supportive um, sure. and, and that was ready to make a, you know, a career concession for, for my career to, you know, to take, to take, um, um, you know, take me where, where I'm, I am now, but it's not always the case. And sometimes, you know, there are some parents that, you know, aging parents that you have to take care of. So I fully appreciate, I think, I mean, relocation is one way of, you know, having opportunities, but I think that you have to be open to opportunities and, and to stretch yourself out of your zone of comfort. I mean, now it's completely out of my zone of comfort. I can tell you, I haven't, again, I had never set foot in Africa and I had no clue what I was getting to quite frankly, which probably was better, you know, <laughs> but uh, just, you know, be open to say yes and try new things and, and fail. Right. I mean, I didn't For know, sure. right. I, I, I knew that there was a possibility that I would get there. And some of my colleagues actually had, didn't have really good experience because their spouse, for example, was, was not happy. And then that it doesn't work. Right. I mean, so everybody has to sort of be comfortable, but um, try. Right. And, and I, I, that's what I keep telling to my, to my team. And I've put people in my team in sort of positions where they went, like, are, you, are you really sure? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I think you can do it. Like, just, just try it. I think you'd be good in that. And, and they, then they do it and they're, and they're fantastic. And they're so surprised that they could do that. But I'm like, well, you know, you have to put yourself out there and try different things. And we've, we've moved people from, we have moved people here. So we, we try to offer those international opportunity. I, I'm, we're fortunate that we're a big enough company that we can actually move people, but it doesn't have to be that you can work on a project that's outside of your. So I would say being open to, to, to things and say yes, more than you say no, definitely. Right. Because sometimes that someone that always says no, or, or never wants to try something new and they might be very good in their field, but the risk is that. You know, there might be one opportunity that you would re- you would really want to say yes to, but it might not be offered to you when it comes if you keep saying no or if you're always sort of close to to that. So I always encourage. I'm so happy when people put their hands up on some some things, even if if it's not the right opportunity for them, because what it gives me is an opportunity to say that to see that they are open to other opportunities, and then when the right opportunity comes, you know. I can go to them and say, Hey, you know, the other one wasn't for you, but this one, maybe, maybe. Right. So I, I'm, I always applaud when people put their hands up for any opportunity. Um, and you're not always going to get it the first time, but at least you make yourself out there, you know, you put yourself out there and you, you say me and definitely I think the, the flexibility is, is important for, for, for employers, right. That, that they know that you're you'll stretch yourself, you do things that are not in your zone of comfort because you just, you know, want to learn and, and, and try different things. 
Well, and I can attest to that having seen it firsthand. You, you really do uh, push your team to and give them that sense of comfort around uh, comfort with, with failure and to speak up that, hey, I, I'm, willing, I'm willing to give it a shot. I'm willing to try this. And I think that's important and it's incumbent upon us as leaders to say, create that safe environment so that people say, because, you know, we all struggle with that imposter syndrome at one stage in our career or another. The more responsibility we get, we're like, are we truly ready for this? And ultimately, it's not until you're challenged that you can actually assess what people are made of, you know, until like there's the next opportunity arises. Yeah. And and it's it's normal to be scared. I mean, if you get a, you know, it, it's absolutely normal that you go like, oh, wow. You know, I'm very scared. Good, you should, you know, because it's something, you know, but then it sort of makes you more resilient and put yourself, you know, really challenge yourself. And I think it's 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 really good. So. Um, one last question just around the travel. Obviously, having done this with family, how did the family handle it? Was it hard on them? Was it, Did they manage? Sort of what tips would you have for for sort of executives moving with their families? Yeah. Or yeah. what considerations? Yeah, no, I mean, they're, they're, I would say that kids adapt faster than, than, than adults. I mean, we were very fortunate in our, in our move that quickly, you know, we met really great people that sort of became our family, you know, abroad and friends. But, you know, the first thing, anytime, every time I move, I said, the first thing I want to see is the school. Second thing I want to see is the house. The rest I'll figure out. But I want, that was sort of my key priorities and make sure that my family was, you know, had, we had a good school identified. We had a, how safe place to live that you know my family would be would be fine in and then the, the work stuff I said that one I'll, I know I'll figure it out um, and so and it's important to keep you know keep an eye on, on, on what's happening but they were yeah I mean the kids they're you know I am I am I am uh, taking my daughter on Friday to university in the UK because she decided that she didn't you know she wanted to study abroad so I can't really <laughs> You know, she sort of grew up with that. And for her, it's sort of, you know, I mean, she is, it's, she has put herself out there and I'm, I'm very proud because she is, she is scared, which is normal, but she's also doing it. So again, taking the opportunity and, and, you know, putting, putting yourself out of your zone of comfort. But I, you know, I see that she's sort of, it's part of her now, right? She's sort of, you know, she wants to experience different, different places and, and learn, you know, in different countries. So. We'll see about the, the little one, but uh, um, definitely. I mean, and and again, my my you know my husband was very supportive, and and that's where I, I you know I saw it fail. I would say most of the time is that you need to make sure that you know if you're going as a family that everybody's good, find their you know have things to do, find find their own places in that because you're working right, so your your life is more or less normal. Right. But you have to, you know, but um, if you have a, a partner, you have to make sure that they can get that sort of sense of normality as well in terms of getting their, their bearings. But uh, definitely. No, and that's a very good point because, you know, you're doing your work just from another place and your work probably doesn't look extremely different. But for, for the spouse and the children, like there, there's a bit of their, their own adjustment. So uh, keeping an eye on, on sort of their evolution as well is, is important. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. And, and making, making, you know, good friends that, that are there to support you. As I said, it becomes your family when you're so far away uh, that, you know, the friends that we made uh, while we were away are, you know, became very quickly, very close friends. 
Well, and it's, you know, what a great way for for the family, but also the children to get exposed to that. Because to your point, your daughter uh, may have not been as keen to go and, and do that in the UK by herself, had it not been for some of the experiences she had with you. And that's that's a great way to help them spread their wings and give them the confidence that they can. For sure. Absolutely. So uh, I got distracted a little bit with all these questions around <laughs> the various places in your career. I want to go back a little bit to your upbringing. Growing up, uh, what was, uh, who, had, who was probably the biggest influence uh, on you and, and who you are today? That's a, that's a very good question. And I, I'm not like, as I said, I had no one that was a lawyer in my family and I was not sort of like admiring any sort of, you know, either TV character or anything like that. So that's not it. Um, I mean, I, I have to say my parents, I think, and, and, and the upbringing and the, you know, both my parents were teachers. So obviously education has always been important. They were, you know, um, and so that's always something, you know, for me, you know, being going to school, et cetera, was always something that, you know, was, was important to me. And, and not that they, they pushed me super hard. They were just very supportive. Um, and they've supported me, you know, all the way, um, you know, through, through university. Um, and, and that made a difference in the sense that I really felt that, you know, whatever I wanted to do, they would support me. So I think that's, that's what I'm trying to replicate with, <laughs> you know, with, with, with my kids and, and, and my daughter now. So I think, uh, no, and I think that's very important because uh, appreciating education, and as you said, one of the first things you look at is, is where are we going to live? What's the school the kids are going to? Because appreciating education and sort of the opportunities it provides. Uh, now, I think I know the answer based on uh, the, the previous questions, but one of the things I, I uh, like to ask as well is, uh, what did you want to be growing up? Which we knew pretty early on you wanted to be a lawyer. Was there any point where you thought something else was uh uh, a consideration other than being a lawyer? I mean, there was various things that sort of probably interested me, but nothing to the point where I said, oh, that's what I want to do as a career. Like I was, Fair enough. It, it was very, you know, very sort of minded that this is what I wanted to do. And, and, and honestly, I think when I was probably in my second year of law school, I decided I wanted to do environmental law. You know, at least as a start, which is what the, which is what I did, and it's funny because I met a former colleague of mine several years later at our I don't know twentieth, thirtieth, I can't remember, <laughs> maybe twentieth uh, law school reunion, and and, uh, and 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 he said, so what what did you end up doing? And I said, well, I you know I went to McCarthy practice environmental. He's like, wow, you know, you <laughs> so you said you were going to do, and that's what you ended up doing. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> But you, you have to love that part of it. It's because uh, you know how many people pivot during their career and often even change professions in, entirely. Which is present fine. company, including. I mean, <laughs> changing is fine too. I just I don't know. For me, it was sort of like that's that's sort of I. Have you do what you want it. <laughs> now, when you were a busy executive, uh, and so sort of whether you were a lawyer in private practice, whether in house, sometimes it's hard to find time, especially between family work for hobbies. But what are your favorite hobbies? Uh, just at a sort of personal. Do I have a guess? Enjoy doing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, you're really good at developing relationships. So, in in uh, some good fine dining uh, with good company oh. and and, uh, and, and, some, and some some good wine and some travel. I do. Uh, yeah, I do all enjoy all of that. Absolutely. I think I think travel would probably be on the 
top of it. Um, I mean, I had this, uh, you know, we all have our, our bucket list. Mine was uh, traveling to 50 countries by the time I'd be 50. Um, I'm actually going to reach it earlier when we're going to go to the UK, we're actually going to go to Wales and, and that's going to be my 50th country. So, and I'm not 50. So, oh, <laughs> so I've ticked that one, but definitely just traveling, meeting, you know, under seeing different cultures, just seeing the, 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 the landscape and, and all the wonderful things that our world has in it. I just think, you know, I, I will keep traveling as for as long as I can, honestly. Um, uh, that's just something that I, I really appreciate. And, and I like to do it with my family. I'm lucky that my family likes it too. So, uh, my daughter said, as long as you keep paying, I'll keep going. So I'll see how that <laughs> So hopefully well, that's, that's one <laughs> That's one way to keep incentivizing them as they grow older. It's like, uh, if mom is paying, okay, we'll go. <laughs> no, and I figured travel was certainly part of it. But the, the reason why I mentioned some of the social, the dining, etc., was more so around the... Uh, because that one is easier to do more on a regular basis, sort of on a weekly okay. basis versus the travel. It provides some provides some limitations. Although I think whether for business or, or personal, you've you've been fortunate enough to do a fair bit of it, which is always uh, always a bonus. Yeah, no, I definitely yeah, I always so, enjoy you know taking time with friends and, and and you know chatting or having people. I like I you know what I actually have I like to have people over as well. So I don't have always always have the time to do it. But I, I I like to throw sort of like parties with thirty people in the house. So um, you know I try to do it once in a while because I, I I actually really really like it. So uh, I had a feeling you enjoyed hosting. So that does not surprise yeah. me. <laughs> I do. And I will pivot a little bit more to some of the experiences you've had, uh, and and more specifically whether it's Madagascar, whether you're working in Cuba, whether it is challenges that you're experiencing currently um sort of your roles by definition involve delicate situations etc what are some some challenges that you may have encountered that, that you were like you know at the time seemed overwhelming or particularly difficult and sort of how did you overcome them because if you think of sort of the audience you know they may often be in that situation where it's like hey i'm in a country where there's political, geopolitical issues or whatever it may be. And how do I navigate them as, as counsel, especially when I have employees that are dealing with, with these situations? I, I could think of a myriad of situations. So, so, so can I. And, and there's, I mean, there's legal issues. There's, I think the one that comes to mind, and I'll come back maybe to, to a little bit more sort of legal issues. Um, but one thing I have experienced is, is in my, in that position again in, in Madagascar, I mean, those kind of positions, there's a lot of turnaround and the expectations of people normally stay two to three years because it's so intense and it's hard being hard away, away you know, from, from family. Um, you know, so there's a lot of turnaround and, and actually I change, I had five presidents in five years and by year three, I think I was the sort of longest standing member of the executive committee. Uh, having been there only for, for you know, for, for two, three years. Um, so that's tough because there is also sometimes there is a desire, I find, from you executive to sort of do different rather than build on, um, right? And, and my 
my position is let's try to not throw everything <laughs> that the other person did in that in the garbage because can't you know they're all smart people it cannot be all bad and rather you know of try to build on better improve that's all great uh, and 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 sometimes there's things you need to change but let's not sort of try to change everything because I I saw us going from you know one one you know one way to another you know hundred eighty degrees and then and then the next person brings it back so I'm like. And, and change, you know, so much changes is, is, is difficult to assimilate for people and just burn, it does burn out people and just get, you know, so that was, that was difficult and trying and trying to, trying to um, influence people and let's try to, you know, there was a reason why it was done this way. Maybe you need to spend some time understanding why it was done this rewrite and just say that doesn't seem right. I'm just going to change it. Um, and then improve on it, but build on it. So that for me was, I found that was very challenging. Um, I mean, for me, legal perspectives, obviously, I mean, it's, it's, it's difficult. And even Madagascar and Cuba were very different and obviously very different from, from, from Canada. Um, I, you know, I think it's take, taking, keeping a, a cold held head, right? I mean, just looking at situations, trying to detach the emotion, because a lot of time when there is a, a crisis, people get emotional, people are, are stressed or scared or, you know, um, so I, I personally become super calm when, when there's, that's sort of, I think that's one of my strengths is that if things, you know, everything's flying, I sort of go super calm and then try to assess, you know, remove myself a little bit from, the situation and have a look at it and it's not always easy but i think you need to do that and i see that as our role as the lawyers and say okay everybody just take a you know let's take a deep breath let's not shoot things you know in every direction but look at it with a cold head and and then you know depending on the situation right i mean hold the line i think we do have that capacity or that i don't know if it's a training or the capacity what we're learning but as lawyers we're you know, we were really good at connecting the dots as well. So, you know, sort of grabbing pieces of information and go like, okay, you know, this, 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 and that. Let's, you know, means this, or, or that's a, those are the solutions I see get, taking all these information. So I think that's sort of, I see that as, as, as strength of, of, you know, most lawyers that we're able to do that. And for people when there are sort of, you know, those kinds of situation and bringing sort of the logical, analytical piece to it rather than the emotional of, oh my God, you know, everything is going south <laughs> type of situation. Um, but I can definitely say that a lot of time, um, what, you know, when I worked in those position and even now I go like, oh, I didn't see that one coming. Like, I mean, you just go like, oh, okay. And that's, that's new. Right. And some, and this sort of tend to happen also one after the other, like you have like a stretch of very quiet time. And then they just, one day it's just like, everything's sort of, you know, popping at the same time and you go, what's happening? And my, normally I laugh, right? Just honestly, that probably maybe not the right reaction, but I just, I, not that I find it funny, but I'm just like, okay, what am I going to do? I can't cry. So I'm going to, I'd rather laugh and just look at it and say, okay, let's, you know, let's deal with them one at a time and, and, and try to do our, you know, do our best, right? And, and just, just apply good judgment, quite frankly. And that's something, someone said that to me once where I said, well, I don't know this. I don't know that. And said, well, it doesn't really matter. Right. I mean, what's important here is good judgment. And I said, you know what? That's absolutely right. <laughs> That's what's going to get out of this. Not, you know, knowing the details of every, you know, piece of legislation is just, and I think intuitively 
you know, lawyers, we do have, you know, we do have good judgment and, and you, you just need to sort of, as I said, take a, take a bit of a step back and, and, and think about the situation. And, and uh, that's so true on that uh, most of the time. And, and as you see lawyers, even as they advance in their career, uh, what makes them sort of what distinguishes them is not who knows the law better, because learning the actual law isn't the hard part. It's, it's the application, sort of connecting the dots and good judgment around it, so healthy business risks around decision making. And that's those are the types of things that you see, you know when you see the leadership, especially within the legal circles, it tends to be and and frankly it's it's in business more broadly as well. It's uh, healthy risks, appetite, good judgment, uh, based on good information and sort of assessing it uh, effectively in a short in short fashion. So these these tend to be uh, you start seeing some of these parallels around successful people. Yeah. Um, so what did you say made you successful um, sort of at these various stages, whether in private practice or at this, like, what were some of the elements that led to the success? Hmm. Good question. I mean, I do, I do believe I have, I do have good judgment. I think that's something that I'm very intuitive as well. Like I, I'm, it's a bit scary sometimes when I, I'm like, it doesn't smell right. Normal. I mean, I'm really wrong. And I, I use it to my, to my advantage now. I'm like, you know what? It's just, I just, you know, I have all the alarms bell going. I'm, you know, I don't think we should do that. And I'm very rarely wrong when I when that happens. So, so sort of people go like, mm, maybe I should listen. <laughs> and um, you know, I, I I try to. I, I think I have a good business sense as well. I think you know, I hope mo most lawyers have, but it's sometimes. At, the, at various degrees, and I, I do think you have to work on that. I've, you know, I think one of my my former boss told me, "Oh, you're, you know, you're street smart." So I try to not make it more complicated than it needs to be. Um, I mean, while making the, I mean, you know, doing things lawfully, etc. But you know, make it simple for for your people because you don't need to know all the that you've done all the analysis and that you know all the law and then you checked everything. You know, they just need to know: can I do it or no? And if you know, if there's a but tell me what the butt is and just get it, you know, let, let's get to it. And, and so sort of really bring it down to what's necessary in terms of information, because if you send in a 30 page memo, they're just not going to read it. They want to know, you know, tell me what, what I can do or not, or what's your recommendation. Um, and I can make my decision. Um, so being very sort of succinct, succinct in what you, you know, how you bring the, the legal information, um, that it's useful and it's just not, not sort of a no, like, I don't say no. I say, well, you know, I, you know, if I, if I think I, I try to always try to find a solution, that would be my thing. It's like, okay, well, maybe we, we can't do it this way because blah, 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 but this is what we could do. And, and most of the time, you know, people are like, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. Right. They're not sort of, they want, they want to do things in the right way. So I haven't, you know, very rarely in my career and country situation, we're like, no, we want to, you know, we want to go the wrong way. Like it doesn't, it just doesn't happen. And if it does, then you have, you know, there's another issue with those people. But um, so, yeah, so being sort of really sort of business minded, but also succinct and sort of bring that the information in a very, you know, um, I don't want, I, I don't want to say easy way because people, that people cannot understand this, but just sort of 
adapt your your delivering information right so that it's useful and it's sort of to the point and it's not too legal um the other thing is just i think i you know i think you know that from from you know, i really enjoy knowing people so I'm, I'm, i think that i you know i like to take time to build some relationships and, and make sure that you know i spend time with my colleagues understanding you know their reality their issues um what's important to them um and so that we can you know we can get a good, we can give them a good legal service, but also you've built those relationships because when you're an executive team, you work, you know, they're normally, they're not super big team and it's very important to spend time together. For sure. Uh, even if like in this situation, we're sort of, you know, spread around, we're not all in the same office, but we do make a point of spending time together on a regular basis. And I do think that's very, very important. So take, take that time to know people that you work with and then build those relationships. And I think uh, if I may add on the cloud, it is one of your superpowers. I've seen you do this with, with internal team members, with, with external partners that were sort of develop, you, you spend time developing those relationships. You're demanding uh, with whether external or internally, rightfully so. But, but when, when you build those relations, then people understand, okay, this is, this is what it takes to be successful. And uh, as, as we sort of heard on this podcast, uh, probably on multiple occasions, uh, good leaders are often demanding, almost borderline, <laughs> uh, unreasonably demanding. But that's how you advance things at a, at a good pace. Because it's to achieve things, uh, a little, a little bit of push uh, is is always necessary. And you do that really well. So the, the I, I felt like I had to add that. that no, it's a fair. I, you know, it's a fair comment. I, I get it. You know, and then people tell me your your bar is very high. I'm like, yeah, my bar is very high. But you know, I'm. I will support you and, and I, you know, I try to bring exactly. everybody along and, but at the same time, you know, we have, we have a job to do and, and it has to be done well. So I, I absolutely, I mean, I, I'm sort of demanding what's supporting as well. So that's sort of keeping that, trying to keep that balance and that you're not sort of, you know, putting also people and, 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 and you know what, I don't, you know, I don't want people to fail either. So that's not, you know, that's because then I, you know, I'm failing too. So when, when, when I say I put, you know, I've put some of my team members in, in, in positions where they thought, wow, you know, I, can I do that? I support them. And, and, and it, it is, exactly. like, I mean, and they go through tough time. I'm like, yeah, you know, of course it's tough, but then you know, okay. let's, let's support you and, and bring you up. And then, and then they, they, when they succeed, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's very rewarding all the way as well. And then, and then they, it's a good, it's a good way to retain them as well. Cause then they're sort of, you know, they've been challenged and they know they can do things. So it's, it's, it's making sure that you keep that balance though of, of being, you know, <laughs> putting the bar high, but then making sure that you support your people so that they can attain that bar as well. And that's why I said it's one of your superpowers. I think it's truly been one of the, the parts, uh, of your successes that because you know we can always be contributing well as individuals but without a really good team supporting that effort uh, we could never achieve all that we could achieve uh, it's impossible for sure absolutely that's 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 key it's uh i would i wouldn't be here <laughs> for sure if i didn't ha i didn't have the time the team that i have I always have a lot of questions and I knew I would have a lot of questions for you. I I will ask one more question and I'll pivot to what we call rapid fire question 
part of the podcast. Uh, and the, the last question um, is, you know, for, for lawyers sort of earlier in their practice or, or, or sort of uh, whether they are in legal practice or in business, I think there's probably some parallels we could draw from. What piece of advice would you have for them to advance um, sort of well in their career, if they're ambitious, to uh, whether they continue on the private practice side, whether it's in-house, sort of what were, what did you say are good formulas for success? Yeah, I mean, and I mean, there's no one formula, I think, but what is useful, I think, is sort of make a, a sort of a short-term, mid-term, longer-term plan, right? So that you sort of, you know, what where you want to be in, in, in one year, where do you like to be in three years and what you like to be maybe in you know, five years and up, and, and then just sort of look at that and say, okay, what do I have to do to get there? Um, make it known, because a lot of times I, I I find that people don't speak up or, you know, they want to do this, but you don't know about it. So it, it's important to make it known, be open to things that are outside of that plan, um, because you never know, right? You never know how things are going to come around. But it, it's useful to sort of have that and then and, and then be flexible so that it can change and it, and it evolves. But at least it gives you sort of a sense of direction. Um, and exactly. and it helped me make some decisions in my career where I was offered, um, you know, a few times to do things that would have taken me outside of law. Um, and I really looked into them very closely and I thought, oh, maybe that's... But then I sort of always had that, well, what I ultimately want to do, I want to I want to be a general counsel because I really love practicing law. That's really something that, you know, I really, really enjoy doing. Um, and, you know, I it sort of made me decide not to do it. Um, maybe it would have been a, a great career as well, but it, it, it was not sort of, I didn't think it was on the right path for me. Um, and so I turned it down. I rarely said no to things, but the, this is one thing I said, okay, because of that, um, I think it would just take me on a very different path. And that's not what I want to do. So to have a bit of clarity, but as I said, just don't, you know, obviously if you're like in one year, I want to be a GC, that's probably not going <laughs> to, if you start, that probably not going to be a workout for most people. Sometimes it could, um, but keep that in the back of your mind. And then just, again, as I said, try to say yes more than you say no, um, in terms of opportunities, put yourself out there. Um, but also be patient. Right. So put it out there. Say, that's what I want to do. Uh, raise your hand and then and then be patient and don't ex necessarily expect that the right opportunity is going to come in two months because you've, you've said it. But but, you know, again, keep it, make it known, et cetera. And then and then, you know, when the right opportunity will come, uh, you know, be, be confident that uh, people will, will reach out to you. But uh, and then you have to make obviously you also have to. You know, look for those opportunities as well. But I, I think I see sometimes where people say, people, some people, and not many people, but we go like, well, you know, I told you I wanted to be a director. Well, so yeah, but you, you like, you've been here one year. So, I mean, yes, you yeah. have, and, and we're going to put you on the path and we're going to do a development plan and we'll be, give you an opportunity. But there's also need to be some, some, realistic expectations as well on, on, and, and patience in terms of getting the skills and getting the knowledge and 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 sort of the diverging from traditional path. I mean, you know, for me, you know, experience is gained through all sorts of things. And, and so as much as sort of lateral move, which are not necessarily promotions, but are 
getting skills that are completely different than what you know now, uh, getting skills from exter you know external expertise as well. So all that sort of makes you know who you are. And then when the right opportunity comes and it's really a sort of step up, you have all of that which will sort of set you apart, right? So it's also sort of trying to get experience from from all very different sources um, with, with you know that sort of help reaching your ultimate goal. No, it's it, those are great, uh, great nuggets, and and I think uh, really certainly the, uh, that resonate with I think the, the saying saying yes more than you say no. I mean, we're sort of especially as as uh, employees have had sort of the um, options for employment, etc. Sometimes like, well, you know, why take this challenge when I can just go get a place elsewhere or a position elsewhere? I think challenges should be seen as just that as an opportunity to grow versus as just oh now i have more work to do right and i think from a growth personal growth perspective those are critical sure. um, so i i'm going to go to what we call the rapid fire question so here it's and this is a little bit of a surprise uh it's it's essentially one word one word answers like whatever you uh, sort of comes top of mind no uh don't you don't have to overthink it uh, so th that that can keep it super simple from from that perspective. So I will start with the first one: is what is your favorite word? Apple. Nothing to do with the brand. I, I like the word. <laughs> <laughs> what word do you hate? Corruption. Excellent. Uh, what word do you have a hard time pronouncing, if any? It's a word in Spanish. <laughs> which i assume means garage it does but it's just hard sort of elder <laughs> no no for sure for sure <laughs> the just for the purpose of the audience you know when it's it's instinctively i need to translate everything so, uh, what is your favorite word in another language amor can't argue with that. Uh, how many languages do you speak? Three. And what's one word to describe yourself? Resilient. I couldn't agree more. So, I'm like, Claude, really appreciate you joining me for the podcast today. It's 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 been a true pleasure, and I know the audience will benefit a lot from everything that uh, that they've heard here today. And I it will, in short order, we'll make sure it's published. Thank you so much. Thank you again. Thank you.